0: film society of lincoln center you're listening to the close-up each week we present in-depth conversations with some of the biggest names in film it's july 15th 2015 i'm michael Odemark, one of the show's producers today you'll hear a live discussion with actress parker posey an american indie favorite who has worked with directors like richard linklater christopher guest hal hartley and noah baumbach she stopped by to discuss her role in woody allen's irrational man which opens in select theaters this Friday. The event was part of our ongoing Free Talk series, which is sponsored by HBO. You can subscribe to The Close-Up on iTunes and Stitcher. In addition to our weekly show, we also bring you a selection from our archives once a month. These bonus episodes pull from more than 40 years of the New York Film Festival, Chaplin Award Gala, and other series, retrospectives, and special events. If you like what you hear, head over to iTunes and leave us a review. It will help us reach more cinephiles like you and make the show even better. This discussion with Parker Posey was moderated by our deputy director, Eugene Hernandez. Let's go now to their conversation.
1: Welcome, Parker.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: So glad to have you. I love you.
2: it over here at the new Lincoln Center. Thank it's great. you.
1: Thanks for being here. Thanks for doing this. Yeah. We really appreciate it. Um, gentleman here was here at 3.30 this afternoon to see you.
2: Really? Wow. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here.
1: You're blonde right now, and I'm saying that because this uh, this event will also be a podcast, and people will be listening to our conversation. And they uh, won't know who I am. And they won't they won't may they may not recognize so your voice. Great. Your voice sounds so different glad. now that you're. They'll be have confused. you been blonde before?
2: Um, no, I haven't. And um, a dear friend of mine designed uh, my dress when I went to Cannes, and I wanted to do something special, and because um, it's Cannes is a big deal, you know, and it's the ultimate and Cinema, yeah. you know, it's the fantasy thing and I wanted to feel uh, Like like Woody Allen as well, so I wanted to Well, not feel like Woody Allen, but to kind of be in his world yeah. and be behind him as one of his ladies in the movie so um, I uh, My friend designed my dress and it was this gold kind of corally, you know, LeMay thing and uh she said, you should really dye your hair. I was like, ugh, I don't, want, uh, I don't want to sit in the hair chair. But I went and did it, kind of at the last minute. Coincidentally, isn't this fascinating? Um, my, my reps asked uh, if I'd ever been blonde just a few days before. And so I took that as my cue, which I do as an actor. And I'm like, yeah, that means I'm supposed to do that. And so I dyed my hair. Um... When I got back from Cannes, I got an email from a theater director named Marianne Weems, who was doing a production at BAM of Rear Window in 2016. And so it was interesting, you know, it's not lost on me, you know, what it is to be an actress and to go blonde. So it's, uh, I'm working a lot more now. And, uh, so, it was just kind of a, a little thing to pick up, you know, and, and to have a dialogue with in, in, uh, for myself, and I like it. That said, uh, a few weeks ago, I did a photo shoot, and again, riveting, and... Um, <clears throat> The stylist, uh, my regular (laughs) colorist, this is not what we want to talk about, is it?
1: No, I want to see where this is going to go. My regular
2: colorist uh, was, uh, they're closed on Mondays, and so (laughs) the stylist said, uh, this this Lauren Kara, she's amazing, you'll go in, she's fantastic, they're really gifted at color. I'm like, great, well I've got a lot coming up, so just like touch up the roots, and I wanted to show up, you know, and make an effort, you know. So, I wanted to have that clean blonde look again. Oh, whatever, it's so boring. See what happens when you I didn't know where <laughs> just you were talk about it here? Okay, was... I, I have somewhere to take it. Okay, go ahead. Um, I, uh, I, I'm in the chair and she's like, this is looking great, I'm gonna put another gloss on. And, which is a toner, which does something that, like, it takes the color, right, and turns it blonde. And then she says, oh, okay, just a few more minutes, just a few more minutes. Oh, this looks great. And I I love this. And I go out and I look in the mirror and it is white mouse, gray, neo-goth. Not only that, I run my fingers through my hair and it's like dog fur. It's not even hair anymore. I'm like... I don't know how this is gonna, uh, I've got some things coming up in a few weeks now, and, uh, and I'm, I'm going like this, and my hair is crackling. It's like snowing on the black chair, and I'm freaking out, um, but I don't wanna upset her, and at the end of the day, it's just hair, and I can wear a wig, and, and all that big picture stuff, <laughs> perspective, so anyway, um, it's been a whole journey.
1: Uh. It's the first uh, film society talk we've started with such an extensive conversation about hair and I'm glad we could do it with you. I am too. On this momentous occasion. It wasn't planned. Um, I imagine another momentous occasion, at least I would imagine from the outside looking in would be when an actor gets a call from Woody Allen or one of his reps. How does that happen? Tell us about the conversation you had that led to this performance.
2: Um, well, I could go back, of course, uh, to being invited to, uh, the Poland Film Festival in Krakow, where I was on the jury with Juliet Taylor. So, uh, I met Woody uh, 20 years ago for Bullets Over Broadway and Shadows and Fog, and, uh, then his movies, you know, the, the way that movies got made started to change. Um, and so anyway, uh, Juliet uh, taylor felt i guess that i was the right temperature for the part um we both <laughs> lost our bags on monday coming back from from poland i was in a really bad i was in a suffering period during that that time i, w- I wasn't a happy camper um in poland and and the films were pretty depressing as well um, <laughs> Anyway, um, so I got back on Monday and Juliet uh, called called my manager and, and wanted me to come in on Thursday to meet Woody and I and I met him at, at noon and you know they say uh, if he's if it's three seconds don't worry about it he you could get the part if it's I think Owen Wilson met him for like seven seconds and was cast in uh, midnight in Paris so I knew that it was like one of those hand reaches out and the foot is out the door you know you're just like hi and and I was in there for about three and a half minutes which was a long time for him and I heard after that he seemed very engaged and we talked about Poland and um, I talked about um, the nuns uh, on their iPhones which was I was raised Catholic I'm, I'm a southern Catholic so that was wild for me to see all the, the nuns there. And uh, the next day, I get a script, I get a phone call from my manager, and she says, um, what are you doing? I said, I'm at the, I'm at the dog run. Um, she says, what are you doing today? I said, uh, I'm going to Trader Joe's to get my snacks and <laughs> my groceries for the week, and then I'm going, um, I'm making these pants with a friend, so I'm gonna have a sewing day. And she goes because Woody Allen's assistant wants to know when a good time is to drop off the pages for his his film, and I burst into tears in the really? dog run. Oh yeah, I burst into <laughs> tears in the dog run. In the dog run, a friend drove by in a cab. It's like, hi, Parker. <laughs> I was, and I was crying. And then he got. He's like, you looked great in the dog run. He thought probably I was laughing hysterically, but I was crying. Um, and. I said, well, I've got to go to Trader Joe's, and I have some pants to make. Um, I guess I'll be home around 2 or 2.30. And I just walked around in a daze. And, uh, but hearing the initial news, I was, like, overcome with this feeling of... I was like, I gamble as an actor. I This is, like, this is very lucky right now, and I have really gambled, and I have a risky... I've taken lots of risks, and um, I've, I'm in a really tough business, and so I was overcome with like emotion. Look, I got caught up just then. I was, gonna, I was right back there, um, and just really uh, grateful. That said, a week later, I break my wrist. I fall off a ladder doing home repairs because some contractors bailed on the job, and and so I painted some rooms myself, and luckily there was someone, a friend there with me, and I went to the hospital, and um, I had wrist surgery during the filming of this. Not during the filming of this. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I had surgery a week bef- uh, before uh, my first fitting, and then a week after that, I had a camera test, and Woody came up to me. I thought for sure I was, I was going to be fired, you know? Um, but he said, "Is it, uh, Do you need me? How is your wrist? Do you, if you want me to write it in, I'll write it in." For you. I was like, "It's totally fine. I'm cool. This is nothing. You know, I'm, I didn't want to intrude in his story. Um, it was really, it was kind of a big deal. It was pretty <laughs> painful, but it, it gave me something too. And uh, I, it, working with him was a was a great experience."
1: So I want to talk about the character and the performance in a moment, but you said something a moment ago that I want to come back to first, and that is the notion of gamble and risk. Um, And I would love to hear more about that, because um, you've been doing this for a little while. You've you've had the opportunity to be in um, such an eclectic mix of films. You're performances over the past couple of decades are so important in the trajectory of independent film, of an American independent film. What did you mean a moment ago when you were talking about gamble and risk? Because uh, I'm curious to see how, that, how you think about that now in relation to your career. I
2: just feel like we're in a time of genre filmmaking, and there's so few stories being produced about, um, that are human. So I suffer with the loss of that and feel kind of out of place. Um, even though I've, I've continued to work, I think as, as an artist you're always gonna be yearning and wanting and never satisfied and never good and the job is your last and all that. So um, I'm never really satisfied or feel like um, I've really achieved something.
1: How have you held on to that um, passion and
2: Insecurity. <laughs> my dignity. <laughs> um, through my friends. Yeah. And just, uh, I think living in New York helps me a lot. Does and it? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, you know, I feel connected to the city and to my friends here. And these are struggling times for artists. And, um, yeah, I'm, I, I love it here. And continue to live here obviously. Tell um, us about
1: well if we could go back a little bit and again we'll get we'll get to this role but I know there are um folks here who are um creative folks, artists, performers. Um how did you tell us about when you made the move to the city? Um you grew up upstate New York, am I right about that? No. You grew up in South. the South. Sorry. You grew up yeah, in the I'm South. From Louisiana. you went to college in I, Yeah, I went to
2: SUNY Purchase. Um, And uh, it was a really tough conservatory program school, and I was there for four years. I was on probation for three. I kept my (laughs) probation letters in the freezer um, for whatever reason. Um, And yeah, I didn't like to rehearse. I was not good at uh, rehearsing with the other actors. (laughs) And I kind of wanted to wing it. so, uh, I, but I had some incredible teachers, and uh, I play a teacher in in, in this movie, which I, I loved playing uh, a teacher, because uh, I've had some good ones. Did I answer your question?
1: Yes, and what I wanted to ask you to follow up on is, um, tell us about making the transition from, so you went to Purchase, as you mentioned. Oh yeah, I got a and- soap
2: my senior year in college, um, April Fool's Day, I was cast and, uh, As the World Turns, and uh, they needed someone uh, short enough to work with, th- with the actor, Paul, um, who'd been on the soap for years, since he was like a kid. And uh, I had to start, uh, and someone who complimented him, and that was on a Monday, April Fool's Day, and on Wednesday, I started work. Uh, so I, I happily left college to, uh, to get a job, and uh, I lived in one of the actor's apartments, named Steve, uh, on 80th in Amsterdam, and then I moved into uh, an apartment in, in Chelsea that I lived in for 13 years. Wow. And then when I go to Cannes, um, the, the PR woman, uh, Tamara, her sister was Holly Chant. She was my first landlord and, and a legal sublet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a small world.
1: So in a moment, I want to go back to a little bit of your more formative years as a creative person, as an actress, but I want to get to this role because you mentioned being a teacher, playing a teacher, tell us about, so you get these pages from Woody Allen, we'll go back to your story. Okay, I got 20
2: pages of the script, I had no idea what else was going on in the movie, I didn't know what tone it was, I read it, it sounds like he wrote it the night before, I'm like, this sounds like me, there are Catholic jokes in there, there's like, this is, this is amazing, Um, I can't believe this, Wow. Uh, and then I go to uh, Newport uh, and Providence uh, I meet with Joaquin on Sunday. This was after the, the a week after the camera test. He knows what's going on in the script. Uh, he and Emma know i don't um, and uh, I show up on uh, for work on the first day we, we go over our scenes together and talk about them uh I wish you had seen the movie because then I could kind of you to have you know you'd know what I was talking about.
1: Give us a thumbnail sketch of just but
2: there's something the in it and you can you can tell in the in the movie he's uh, you know it's lots of water around and drowning and um, I I didn't know if it was a light movie or a heavy movie but I became aware quickly that it was a deep. It was one of Woody Allen's deep movies, which I love. I love uh, interiors. Like every every actor, uh, actress in that movie, I, I relate to. So uh, I was um, I was thrown into the water quickly. In. Uh, the letter that he wrote me was like, this, her name is Rita Richards. She's flirtatious. She's a teacher. She's kind of tired of it. Uh, she wishes she could go away. Um, and then I, she's in an unhappy marriage. And, and then I showed up on set. And it was like a whole other temperature that I, I didn't anticipate. And he came up to me. and She's a lonely woman. She's a very lonely woman. was like okay (laughs) okay and uh, after the first day and 20 takes in my first scene 20 20 where I felt like you know a broken in horse um, which is great I mean that's what that's what directing is you know so it can be Um, I started to feel you know the temperature and uh, he works very quickly, mm-hmm. so he and he expects everything to be to be there because I guess it's been there before magically in one take, you know, and um, and he doesn't do ADR, he does no looping, so you can do a scene and it can it can be good. And he was like, well, it was good, but we have to go again because of the sound. And you're like, I was like, I'm good at ADR, I can. No, I don't don't like ADR. I don't want to do any ADR. Okay. I felt like an athlete. You know, it's like the pressure and the energy. And then um, it was, you know, I thought I was going to be fired. And it's it's that, you know, it's kind of, and he's, I thought a lot about jazz with him. And he's like really a, a musician who does movies as a hobby. You know, I think that's how he... he can kind of look at himself. Like, it's... uh, So, it was very jazzy. Like, this is just light, and we're just having... people are talking to each other, like you talk to each other in real life, and that's what... You're like, oh, yeah, right. I'm not gonna think about this too much.
1: So, in those moments, are are you dwelling on yourself and how you're interpreting all the stimuli you're picking up? Or are you trying to relate to the actors and trying to find a way in reference, or in re- reflecting off of them? Like, how are you building that character so that you can keep going through the role? It's
2: just trust, you know? And that was, like, th- the best thing to, about working with him, is that you, you, you trust everything. And, um... Yeah, it was, it was great, and we moved very quickly, and he's really funny, and um, he likes to, you know, be out at a certain time so he can have dinner. And it's you know kind of seamless you know his team has been working with him forever so it's it's very professional and and he he wants uh, the actors to have their space to create their their world and Joaquin was is so gifted and so artistic and and uh, in his own waters that it was great to to be to to match him and to, to to, to act with him, and Emma has a whole other energy, and I loved working with her too.
1: Are there, <clears throat> not being an actor, but talking to actors once in a while, I always wonder whether there are a specific number of styles of directing, or is, it, is there are there as many styles of directing as there are directors? You've worked with so many different types of directors, and I imagine yeah. directors with so many different approaches to how they interact with performer yeah the
2: best ones are really relaxed and um, you have an enormous respect for them you know and love for them and uh, for their story in the world that you're the the fingertips of you know Um, but they do some directors like to control Um, some are uh, kind of inhabit the movie when I did Superman Returns with um, Brian Singer, I was like, he's very absorbed in, in in both Superman and Lex Luthor, you know, and he was going through stuff, and he was very emotional um, and great. And they're on set to you know to direct, and sometimes we did you know just a few takes, and the scene was over in less than ten minutes. And sometimes not, but there's that. That was also a movie that was, you know, really big budget. So that pressure comes into it too. Um, I love working with uh, directors, you know, real directors. It's really fun. But they do have a different process. Um, but you you acclimate to that, and you. You communicate with them in uh, in unconscious and conscious ways.
1: I'd love to ask. In you
2: Woody's how. movie, I felt like you're just like the wardrobe designer Susie Benzinger. She, uh, when we were doing our wardrobe, and I got shoes from different places, and I brought some stuff myself. She's like, make sure you're the you know you're the character during the camera test. Which was hard for me to do. I was like, "Hi," <laughs> you know, <laughs> like excited to be there. But when I when I walked in on the on the soundstage, it's very somber, and I got a little taste of what the movie, with the temperature of the movie, was like. Um, and uh, you know, was the character immediately, um, or was at least on on my way to being. Some directors like to talk like to go over the script and go over every little line and and want your opinion on what it means Subtextually or any stories you might want to add or I've worked mainly with directors who've left me alone
1: So how has how do you then see? your the way you act, the way you perform, or your role as an actress having changed over time. You said you still have the same insecurities about the work, but do you see that your own way of interacting with a director or interacting with material has changed, evolved? I feel like
2: I've, I know so much. Like uh, I'll work with directors who haven't had the experience of being on sets as much as I have. So I know, um, I, I feel like in a way I teach, you know, if it's an independent movie, I can kind of show the crew how it's, not how it's done, but kind of relax things or um, create a vibe. It really is about a vibe.
1: I'm, I'm taking away, you, you were talking about the temperature of a movie and now the vibe of a movie, mm. which seems to be the, the kinds of... The tones that kind of, the, the tones are what influence your are yeah, drawn to. Yeah, what
2: instrument am I, you know, in this, especially with Woody Allen. Um, what, what, what kind of energy, what kind of instrument. Um, so I felt like a bass. A bass? Yeah. <laughs> are you guys, this is totally boring for you. No. That's my friend Johanna over there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, we're gonna get to questions from the audience in just a moment. I think we have microphones. Who? Where are our microphones? I just want to spot. Um, people are are shot. There, there, there we go. So get ready. Um, transition question to the audience. I was thinking a lot about um, my previous job, a company called IndieWire. It's almost 20 years old next year. Um, 20 years ago. Filmmaking in this country was very specific to filmmaking in the city. Um, the kinds of movies that were being made in New York were defining American uh, filmmaking. Um, independ- American independent filmmaking was was a very specific uh, of a very specific moment, and also um, supported in a certain way that enabled so many amazing artists, performers, writers, directors to not only kind of coalesce and and work together but also make a mark that is still being felt until
2: we had a community you
1: felt um, that
2: yeah yeah but then it got co-opted by the studio system and this is this is america so and now we have movies that are bigger that are more genre because they're it's it's corporate so i think there's you know there's a whole generation that only likes genre films and uh filmmakers like woody allen or scorsese have distinctive voices but the good thing now is you can be um, you know a young filmmaker uh, i think of upstream color or computer chess yeah. um, these two uh 30 something girl directors mm-hmm. and the movies are really good mm-hmm. and they're they're speaking in a language it's just whether or not audiences can be distracted um from their own screens to want to experience a story in a theater with a bunch of people. And I I hope they are, you know, I hope they still are.
1: And so how are you dealing with that now as a creative person, the way you interact with other creative people and the screens for which you're performing are changing in front of us.
2: Yeah, well, I'm, how, I'm collaborating with a friend of mine named Jack Ferver, and he's a performance artist, and so I'm thinking of new ways to, you know, not be such an old lady, and to adjust to these times, and, and how people are changing, how they view things, and what I think is missing from that, and uh, so I have some ideas. I uh, New Year's, I had a New Year's resolution that I've not kept which was to join social media um, <laughs> so I, I think about it um, but I haven't I haven't done it yet but uh, I am because for me it's a screen and it's a way to express and, and, um, and to, to make something with and I do take pictures of, of my food I, I have uh, <laughs> but I, I'm not going to share that with people um <laughs> Although they're, they're really good pictures. Really, really good.
1: So I'm thinking Instagram could be good for you.
2: Yeah, I'm thinking that too.
1: Okay. To be continued. Let's see what... I got
2: what, my dentist to take some pictures with me. You did? Yeah. So I'm thinking about, you know, I'm thinking about it.
1: Let's see what the audience is thinking about. Let's see what questions Let's they have see. for you. You, sir, you were, you were here the first early. one. Hi, um, I wanted to ask you about working with Christopher Guest and what that process is like compared to other directors you've, you've worked with. I love those movies.
2: I love those movies, too. And that process is really unusual. And uh, you're really writing a bio of your character.
1: Is it stressful as an actor to work with that style?
2: Yes, yes. It starts out very stressful, but once you're in the water, you're kind of like, this is, this is the ultimate. It's freeing. Um... <laughs> And, uh, so he gives you an outline that's about 30 pages long, and, uh, there are descriptions about what happens to your character. Meg, Swan, and Hamilton talk about their dog, Beatrice, to their therapist. They're upset that, um, the dog caught them having sex, and they don't know if the dog can't compete in Westminster Dog Show. They met at Starbucks, you know, and that's it. So, um... Michael Hitchcock and I went uh, shopping when we uh, at uh, J. Crew when we thought we had a pointer, and then when we found out we had a Weimaraner, we went Banana Republic. (laughs) They were also described as a catalog couple. So and Hitchcock was so funny, you know, he'd like untuck one, you know, uh, shirt and tuck the other part in, and um, oh man so little things like that and they're not even talked about you know you don't stress about it or like oh I think this will be really funny and you just kind of you show up and you, you, you just start interacting live like you do with people all the time like we're doing now but I don't come from the groundlings or improv group uh, but like I said earlier I don't like to rehearse and in it's, it's, that Serves me well for those movies because I can just focus on the, the other person, and um, and be in the moment. Uh, but some, they're it's really they're really fun. They're you know you can't you can't laugh or you you ruin a take for for someone else, and that's really hard. The um, Catherine O'Hara is like, think if your dog's gonna die, Chris is really mad at you, you're gonna be in trouble, you know, like things like that. And she can't, have you, it's so funny and, and he's such a gifted wit and funny person and kind and, uh, and uh, thoughtful. So he's like one of those directors that I really love and respect. Yeah. Okay, yes.
1: So let's go up here to the front row and then we'll go right over here. Hi. In, in light of what you were talking about before with the corporate n- nature of the movies, did you notice a difference with Woody Allen movie as in being a
2: budget?
1: Yeah. How, how did it manifest itself in, 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 your, in, in your, the way you worked on, on the set?
2: Exactly. Yeah, he's 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 a he's a low-budget independent filmmaker. He's the progenitor of it all. Writer, director, star. Um, he works very economically. Uh, hires the best. Uh, moving on. You know, um, not a lot of talking about things, about the scene, uh, and uh, creates kind of you know a certain atmosphere where it's fun and light, but you're also terrified and think you're going to get fired. Um, (laughs) But, uh, no, he's, he's, he, yeah, it was, it reminded me a lot of the, you know, the independent movies that I did in the 90s. You know, you don't really have that much time to... Go to your trailer and 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 go to the craft service table and pig out. You you you're at work and it, it's going it's going quickly, it's moving. So that was I answered
1: your question, right? Yes. The next question is right here, second row. We'll just pass the mic over to you. Here it's coming
2: thank you like mr number 1 over here i put chris guest you know and woody allen in the same category so um, would you ever um would you hope that woody will hire you for more films because chris can't can't seem to make films without you and they're they're so great you know they're both really and will you direct would you ever consider putting your ideas out, and you have the best widow's peak I've ever seen. Thank you. It was my grandmother's. Thanks, Granny. Um, yeah, Chris Guest and Woody Allen, they're, they, they're kind of, there's, there's a similarity in the improvisational kind of, you know, vibe, and uh, uh, yeah. Uh, What was your question? (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking about my grandma. Will you do more films with Woody? uh, And would you do more films with Woody? Even if you have to play the older woman? Oh, of course. I mean, the thing about doing this, and I've been talking a lot about it, is no one writes women like he writes women. And the dialogue in this is so grown up and so perceptive. And he's, you know, he also has an, an amazing ear, uh, and a really subtle ear for, you know, uh, whether you're bad. And if you're, being, if you're bad, he'll say you're terrible, um, which I heard a <laughs> few That was terrible. Yeah, well, this is my last film, so that's good. <laughs> Yeah, it's my last. Okay. Um, but I can't wait. I, I hope to, to work with both of them again. And, and uh, yeah, there's back to that distinctive, you know, filmmakers, truly independent, uh, you know, the 70s and the 90s were, uh, we saw that blossom uh, in, in the film community, mm-hmm. and uh, I've, I've mourned it. I've really mourned it and I've I know it looks like oh it's great you know and I can get you know Louis CK that was great that I did a reading for his kids school you know a benefit reading and he thought I was right to work with him so I rely on the independent filmmakers so I I I can say I feel truly blessed and um yeah that sounds like a good way to end this doesn't it
1: and the way we can end it is she asked you one other thing, which is, have you, had you ever thought about writing and directing? Is that? something? Yeah, that I think about
2: it all the time. And, and... Oh yeah. I have all sorts of ideas that have not made their way into the real yet. Um, but I think about that all the time. I'm, I have ideas about um, making little shorts on my phone. Um, social,
1: social media. Could social enable, media, you can call it that. that?
2: Um, and uh, long form uh, yeah I do I have some ideas that would be would sound too complicated now to start talking about them
1: have you always been writing as you've been continuing to work in independent film have you have you had have you pursued that yeah. outlet uh, even if you haven't shared it?
2: Yeah, a little bit. Um I really miss a certain kind of acting style and uh I What's feel that? like the acting style now is so is is I mean in 10 years it's going to It's it's um I'll I'll share with you a story of an actor that was out in LA doing um TV and uh he said, "Yeah, I tried to pick something up and make it, you know, real." And the director was like, "No, no, no, don't do that." And he's like, just do nothing. And he did nothing. And then they came up to him, that was really powerful, man. (laughs) It's powerful stuff. It's like, it's kind of withholding and um, macho, um, adrenalized. Uh, It's not kind of this. And I get, I've gotten sucked into these shows too, you know. But it's a different kind of thing than what we saw in the 70s and the the 90s. I hope Ted Hope at Amazon will nurture all the independent filmmakers that came up in the 90s and they can bring back the landscape drama and the love stories and the novels that are adapted into film. And we can watch them on these screens and at home. Um... Because there are still writers out there that, that have stories who are insightful and human and funny and real. And uh, I hope that I hope that happens.
1: Parker Posey, thank you so much. Thank you. for spending. Thank you
0: guys.
2: The Close-Up from the Film Society of Lincoln Center is produced by Nick Kemp and Michael Oatmark. Our opening music is by Steelism. You can subscribe to The Close-Up on iTunes and Stitcher. The Film Society of Lincoln Center is a non-profit arts organization based in New York City, supported by individuals just like you.